0: It is the worldwide sports radio network. Radio network. Radio network. West Guns, West Guns, West Guns, These guys know. These guys know. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, live here on the World Sports Network on this Wednesday, September the 16th, 2020, along with my co-host, Mr. Clarence Nixon. What's up, Clarence? Hey, what's up, Trey, man? Uh, how you doing today on this Wednesday, windy day? Doing pretty good. It's Hump Day. Everybody remember <laughs> going and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Mr. Nixon, how is your Hump Day treating you? Now, my Hump Day been treating me delightful, I'm going to say, because we got some very, very specific topics we got to get into today because last night was... A big shocker into the NBA world, and I'm, I'm so pumped for it. Looks like you got some allergies going on over there, bro. It's that time of year, you know, allergy season. When always comes, whether it be fall or spring, it's that time of year. It looks like you kind of dealing with some issues over there, man. You kind of struggling over there, my man. Nah, listen, nah, man. I'm just crying because the Nuggets actually made it to the Western Conference Finals, man. So I'm gonna <laughs> just leave it at that. <laughs> hey. Oh man. <laughs> Hey, we definitely got a jam-packed game today, though, Trey. I want to uh, discuss with you a Game Seven of the Nuggets and the Clippers. Also, we got the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Nuggets. And also, you—you you personally wanted to get, in, get into what is going on with Carson Wentz and the Denver Nuggets. Also, also, we want to—we want to uh, ask, ask everybody. We actually got a vote out today. Um, who in, in the 2017 draft, which running back would you take? And also, we can't we can't forget about the best the best topic of the day, the Thursday night preview of the Bengals and Browns, the Battle of Ohio. We going to definitely get into that though. But Trey, since you start, let me start off the show, man. I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna get into that Game Seven of the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers. Now you see the Denver Nuggets won that game one hundred and four to eighty nine, and unfortunately, your your Clippers your Clippers has it has it came you know uh Nicola Jokic had a triple double 16 points 22 rebounds. I think 13 misses Jamal Murray had 40 points and let me get on to that clipper side Kawhi Leonard had 14 points on six twenty two shooting and Paul George had 10 points on four sixteen shooting. Actually they combined for 10 for 36 free field goal shooting on what 24 points. That's terrible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this floor to you though Trey. Um, what went wrong in Game Seven? Tell me th- your biggest takeaway in this Game Seven that happened between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, well of course, is- mine. okay. Well, you know, coming into the season, my championship pick was the Lakers. I had Anthony Davis and LeBron James getting the Lakers to the NBA championship. But as the season went along, and I saw the Clippers beat the Lakers, and two of their three you know, meetings that they had this year, I changed my championship pick to the Clippers. Because if you remember, on opening night, Kawhi and the Clippers beat LeBron and the Lakers. Then on Christmas, Kawhi and the Clippers came back in the second half and they beat LeBron and the Lakers. And then, you know, the meeting before the you know, coronavirus took place, the Lakers won that game. So I ended up changing my pick. Originally, I had the Lakers win the championship and beating the Clippers in the Western Cowboys Finals. But once i seen the two teams face off against each other, and two other three meetings, and I saw the Clippers get the best of the Lakers, I picked the Clippers to win a championship and ultimately win the Battle of L.A. But last night, Clarence, as I watched what took place in Game 7 of the Western Conference semifinals between the Clippers and the Nuggets, it was a complete show job. It was a complete show job. Make no mistake about it. And the Clippers, honestly, for whatever reason, it seemed like once we – got back to basketball, and since we've been back playing basketball in the bubble, they really haven't been right ever since. You remember the incident that took place that was – you know, everybody was talking about Lou Williams, how he went to Magic City in Atlanta. It seemed like once he went to Magic City clearance, Lou Williams left his game in the the ATL, man, (laughs) because Lou Williams, he was terrible in this series. In this series against the different Nuggets, Lou Williams, I believe he shot like four of 27 – from three-point range. He was terrible. He shot three of eleven from the floor in game seven. And he was god-awful. He was god-awful. He hasn't been the same since he left ATL. And I don't know what the hell is going on with him. He he just hasn't really played well overall. What did he have last night? Seven points, three of eleven shooting from the floor, one of four from three-point range. But Lou Williams is not the two best players on this team, Clarence. The two best players on this team is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last night, they combined to go 10 of 38 shooting from the floor. Paul George went 4 of 16 shooting from the floor. He Ugh. was 211 from three-point range. He had 10 points. In the fourth quarter clearance, they swung the ball to Paul George. On one particular play, Paul George hit the side of the backboard. I had, I was watching the game and I was here watching the game at home. I'm in Cincinnati. They're in Orlando in a bubble. I had to duck. I was like, oh, man, where's that going? I didn't know where that, was, where that was going. And then and, then, and then Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, he was terrible. He shot 6 of 22 shooting from the floor, 2 of 7 from three-point range. He only had 14 points in a closeout game. You two best Literally. players in a closeout game. They only gave the Clippers 24 points. Jamal Murray, he outscored Paul George and Kawhi Leonard by himself. He had 40 points last night and played big but overall in the fourth quarter is when your stars have to be stars and make plays for your team to win and in the fourth quarter last night Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went 0 of 11 shooting from the floor and they went 0 of 7 from three-point range here's the deal Kevin Durant lost a 3-1 lead to the juggernaut Golden State Warriors they was 73 and 9 that year Steph Curry and the Warriors lost a 3-1 lead to the great LeBron James, arguably a top three player of all time. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Doc Rivers, who I'm going to get to in a minute, they just lost a 3-1 lead to a team that has no championship pedigree on their roster. No player right. on the different Nuggets. Yes, no player on the different Nuggets has a championship on their resume. They have don't even have championship experience. Paul Millsap, He's only been to the conference finals, but they lost to a bunch of dudes who are dogs and they are playmakers, but they aren't superstars. Like Nicole Jokic, he might be inching his way into that superstar conversation. We're going to talk about him here in a minute, but they lost to a team that doesn't have any players on their roster who's been to an NBA finals. This is very, very inexcusable. And Doc Rivers, he has to answer some of this bell as well. Doc Rivers, this is the third... 3-1 lead he's lost in his career he's lost six 3-1 or 3-2 leads in his career clearance and he got completely outcoached by Mike Malone like Mike Malone completely outcoached Doc Rivers and the Clippers lost double digit leads in game five and game six and last night they had a seven point lead in the second half and the Nuggets went on an 8-0 run and once the Nuggets went on their run The Clippers wanted no parts of the Nuggets. No parts whatsoever. And you could tell, I told you this on one Monday show. Remember I told you, I said, if the game gets late and the game is close heading into the fourth quarter, I guarantee you that the Clippers are going to feel that pressure. And it happened in the fourth quarter clearance. And that's why Paul George and Kawhi Leonard went 0-11 of shooting from the floor. It is inexcusable. This was a complete choke job. And they're going to have to answer all offseason season long as to why they came short of the expectations. It was a complete show job by Los Angeles people. <laughs> hey, it's a lot of questions I want to ask you on this on this general topic though, Trey, because right here I just can see your face. I seen all the statuses you made. And it just like, wow. You even seen the undisputed show. Skip had his hand down all through the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. And I wanna and I want to say this real quick before I ask you a question. Like the, like the Clippers. They started off the fourth quarter 0 for 9. 0 for 9 in the fourth quarter. They couldn't buy a bucket if they wanted to make a layup. So right there was 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 this example of like where is the identity in this offense? I think that's the problem for the Clippers. I feel like they didn't really have no structure on the offensive side or they, they have no like legitimate play style or what they was going to run through. And I feel like that is Affected a lot because it just seemed like you just giving it to Kawhi. All right, Kawhi, do what you got to do. Paul George get open for three. They didn't have no identity. Then I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you another question too. I want to ask you another question before you start going in because this is your, you have the floor. Yeah. Uh, Earlier Doc Rivers said it like the players were fatigued and they didn't want to play no more than three minutes in the fourth quarter. Tell me, is that an excuse or that's something that you have to take in consideration? That's coaching. This is why Doc Rivers deserves part of the blame here. I'm not saying Doc Rivers deserves to be fired, but he deserves yeah. to be under the hot seat after this performance. Next season, Steve Ballmer, the owner for the Los Angeles Clippers, I guarantee you he's going to be looking at Doc Rivers differently next year. He's going to be looking at Doc Rivers like, can you lead this team to a championship? Because in seven years, as being a head coach, of the Clippers, he hasn't even led the Clippers to a conference finals appearance. He came up short when the Clippers had CP3 and Blake Griffin. Now he's coming up short, and the Clippers got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But real quick, before, I, but I want to get back to Kawhi Leonard real quick because all season long, Clarence, we heard from Kawhi Leonard fans how Kawhi Leonard deserves to be in that best player in the world conversation. And we heard all year long how Kawhi is better than LeBron James. And again, in two out of three meetings this year, the Clippers beat the Lakers. So the talks intensified even more. People were saying like, oh, Kawhi, he's he's here to take the crown away from LeBron James. He is the man in L.A. now, not LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard, let me give you some of these statistical numbers in this playoff series against the Denver Nuggets. Kawhi Leonard in the first half he averaged 14 points per game. In the second half, he averaged 10 points per game. His field oh, goal look. percentage in the first half was 56% shooting from the floor. In the second half, it was 31% shooting from the floor. His three-point field goal percentage in the first half was 47%. In the second half, 27%. Okay, and in, in the fourth quarter of all of these seven games against the Denver Nuggets, Kawhi Leonard's average five points per game on 27% shooting from the floor overall, 33% shooting from three-point range. He did hit nine of 10 free throws in the fourth quarter of these games. But those numbers are not a superstar numbers. Statistically, you need your superstar to step up in these big moments. I don't want to hear no more Kawhi is better than LeBron James talk. No more. Kawhi Leonard is not the best player in the NBA. And I don't even think Kawhi Leonard is better than Kevin Durant. Now, you could disagree with me, but Kevin Durant lost to the 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors. He lost to the Splash Brothers. This dude just lost to the Denver Nuggets and the Koyokits, someone who can up higher than me or you, Clarence. I love the Joker. But, yo, but the Joker ain't got no ups. <laughs> he just doesn't. So, overall, Kawhi Leonard, no more he's than LeBron James. He's not. LeBron James is the best player in the world. And one more thing, Clarence, before I let you go. I want to go ahead and give LeBron James a round of applause for tonight on Wild Guy. Because LeBron James, LeBron James has won his fourth NBA championship. I'm going to say it right now tonight on the World Last Force Network. LeBron James just captured his fourth NBA championship. He is now four and six in the NBA finals. You already just merchant it. Huh? Yes, LeBron James and the Lakers will win the championship here in a few weeks. And Anthony Davis gets his first championship as well. And like, like you always say, though, man, Trey, the Clippers, the whole Clippers team, even the players that's not even getting into the game, they are losing millions of sleep this offseason. They is losing a lot of sleep in this offseason. But real quick, real quick, I want to ask you this. How are impressive you are with this Denver Nuggets team? They made it this far, the conference finals since 2009. They actually played the Lakers in 2009 in and, and the Western Conference Final. How impressed you are on this run with the Denver Nuggets? I'm very impressed with this run the Denver Nuggets are on right now. And this is the second 3-1 deficit that they have overcame this postseason. They're the first team to overcome back-to-back 3-1 deficits in the pl- same playoffs. Like, this is an amazing accomplishment by Mike Malone and his group. I can't say enough about the job that Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic has done leading this Denver Nuggets team. Last night, Jamal Murray... He had 40 points, shot 15 of 26 from the floor, 6 of 13 from three-point range. And in the fourth quarter, it wasn't Kawhi. It wasn't Sweet Lou. It wasn't Paul George. It was Jamal Murray who stole the show in game seven with the Western Conference Finals berth on the line, Clearance, Jamal Murray was absolutely sensational last night, and he proved why he deserves to be in that, you know, best players in the NBA on the come-up. When we talk about all these young players in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. You know, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, you know, Luca, Jason Tatum. I think we got to include Jamal Murray into that conversation after these performances that he's put together in these playoffs. You remember in in round one, they were down 3-1, but Jamal Murray, he went shot for shot with Donovan Mitchell, and he kept the Nuggets in that series. And now we fast forward to this series. In the beginning stages of this series, he was inefficient, and he wasn't shooting the ball well. But then he started to notice what we noticed, that the Clippers' defense isn't as elite as we thought they were. He started to put the ball on the floor. He got to the rim, got to the free throw line, and created opportunities for others. Last night, he went 4-4 from the free throw strike. So he's done a great job at creating opportunities for others and agree. scoring the basketball when it's called upon. Like, he's done a hell of a job. So Jokic, I believe Jokic also, last night, he only had 16 points, but he had 22 rebounds and 13 assists I think the joker is the best passing big man we have in the league and I think this one-two duo between Jokic and Jamal Murray is a duo that we have to look at as future seasons to come as a duo can possibly win a championship Clarence, I was very impressed with this run that the Denver nuggets have been on but it has come to an end because they are running now into LeBron James and what they just did to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George they won't be able to do against LeBron James and Anthony Davis but nevertheless, it was a great run that they've been so, on since we've been in the bubble. So that leads us. That leads me to our, my next question, though. That leads to the last last question before we go to the next topic. Um, we know your uh, Nikola. He's playing like a top player in the Western Conference Finals, and we obviously know he's not a top five player. But would you consider him as a top ten player in the NBA today? Yes, right now the way Joker's playing. Right now, he is a top five player in the NBA. Right now, he's 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 still playing. I mean, let's call it what it is. Kawhi is at home. The Greek freak is at home. Chris Middleton is at home. Kevin Durant was injured this year and didn't play. Kyrie Irving was injured this year and didn't play. Right now, he's a top five player in the NBA who's still playing. Of the four teams, that's remaining. Talk about the Boston Celtics. Miami Heat. You know, we talk talking about the Lakers and the Nuggets. Obviously, with the Celtics, we got Jason Tatum. We know what the Miami Heat, we got Jimmy Butler with the Lakers is LeBron, Anthony Davis, you can make an argument that the Joker deserves to be on that top five players that's still playing list, right? I mean, yeah. n- we'll go number one, we'll go probably LeBron. Number two, probably Anthony Davis. After that, probably Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum. I think the Joker deserves to be number five right you now on funny? that list. You know what's funny? That's the exact list what I had. That's the exact list what I had, Trey. You're reading mindset. And I think he is like a top player that you have to recognize in the NBA because He's one of the best. In my eyes, he's one of the best big mans in the game because he's not athletic, but he's skill set enough. Like, because when defenders are guarding him, they're trying to figure out is he going to look for the path or he's shooting the ball. So he gives them two options when they when he when they defended him. And I truly believe that, like, you can win a championship with this guy. I, like, how he's a hardware him and Jamal Murray. I expect something big for them in the future. But one more thing. So what's next for the LF? LL- los angeles clippers but it's offseason. what's next well it's a possibility might lose Montres harrell and marcus morris so uh, you know to free agency we'll see what happens but their team for the majority most part will be back next year and their, their, their main core will be back but if they don't get it done next year clarence you can make a legitimate argument that they're going to break this team up because i think paul george and Kawhi leonard they could have signed four-year deals you know when they signed with the clippers last offseason but they signed two-year deals so i think they got player opt-outs next after yep. next season so if they mm-hmm. don't get it done next year they in trouble and it's not gonna get any easier you know they just lost to the Denver nuggets an up-and-coming team you know that's going to gain more playoff experience now that they're in the western conference finals you know so that this is a team that if they don't get it done next year they might be broken up but the thing is i, I just i'm just so disappointed because I chose these guys to win the NBA championship, so they messed up my damn prediction. But overall, when it comes to the Clippers, this team, you know, they all year long, they barked, but they never really bite anyone. Like they always bark but yes. never bite. And I love CJ McCullum and Daniel Lillard last night on Twitter because you I don't know if you were seen it <laughs> last night, Damian Lillard. And CJ McCollum, they was going back and forth. They was talking about the Clippers. And Damian Lillard said to Patrick Beverly, basically essentially saying like, hey, I haven't booked my reservations for Cancun yet. If you want to join me, you still can. You know, there's still time, Patrick Bev. If you want to join me in Cancun, I still got time. So let me know. So I I just thought that was funny last night, how CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard made fun of the Clippers. Because you remember earlier in the bubble, during the seeding games, When Damian Lillard missed those two free throws and my Blazers lost to the Clippers, you saw Patrick Bev and you saw Paul George making fun of Damian Lillard, talking trash to Dame, And so Dame got his get back last night at them brothers last night. So it was funny watching that. Did you see that? Yeah, man, they was trolling. I know they, hey, the Clippers got a lot of memes headed to them yesterday. Like yesterday they were saying that the, uh, like uh, big shout out to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They combined twenty four points. Mentioning Kobe Bryant, I am like, oh wow, man. And uh, it's just sad that they couldn't get the job done. But it, like you said, they wasn't full synced in into the season. I feel like they played hard when they played against the Lakers. Every other team, they, they didn't matter how they played because at the end of the day, the Lakers is the biggest, the biggest uh, challenge to them. And this Clippers team, they've been cursed for a long, long, long time. Oh, here you go. Here you go. This was this was David Lillard. He said, I guess I should extend this Cancun cool invite since I haven't made my arrangements yet. That's what he was saying to Patrick Beverly. <laughs> and then he goes C.J. McCollum saying, I'll bring the wine, whether nice as ever, too. And then he said, my last, this was C.J. McCollum, he said, my last tweet before I finish this glass. They did vote. They ain't want to play no more. But I didn't think they was gonna go out like that. (laughs) So everyone, everyone is really clowning (laughs) the Los Angeles Clippers right now, man. Kawhi and Paul George—they should deserve all of that because at the end of the day, you two guys are the future franchise of this franchise, man. Franchise players of this franchise. There's last night was unacceptable. Was unacceptable. And from Kawhi Leonard, you looking at him like, well, you struggled all in second half in these series, but. 14 points to 10 points, unacceptable, trade. And then here's the thing. All year long, we saw the Clippers, they had this formula for low management. Well, I felt like if you're going to have low management throughout the regular season, you're damn sure better to win the NBA championship. If you're going to be low management, and if, if people bringing their kids to watch the Clippers play, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are sitting out, well, you're damn sure about to win the NBA championship. They didn't get it done. So their entire <laughs> formula and their entire experiment failed because lebron james make no mistake about it he show up every single night and he ready to ball out for his particular team whether it be the lakers whether it was when he was at the cavaliers or when he was with the miami Heat. lebron james he always showed up and that's one of the things that i think we also need to say about Kawhi leonard because if you remember people were saying if Kawhi wins this championship obviously it would have been his third finals mvp with the third different franchise now if it was going to elevate him, if he won a championship, if you go out in the second round, doesn't that take away from your legacy as well? Like we can talk about Kawhi Leonard. He also doesn't have any, no NBA MVPs on his resume. And again, this little management thing doesn't sit well with some people. Like the thing about Kobe, the thing about MJ, the thing about LeBron, what makes those guys great was every single night we knew they were going to play and they were going to put up elite statistical numbers. They were going to show up and they were going to put on a show for the fans. Kawhi Leonard doesn't do that. Kawhi Leonard shows up some nights and he has DMPs next to his name because he's load managing. If you're going to load manage, you damn sure better win the NBA championship because you're well rested. There ain't no excuses. You got four months off because of the coronavirus pandemic. There ain't no excuses. But Doc Rivers making up excuses, talking about, oh, well, there were players in the fourth quarter who were tired and needed to come out and him could run for about three minutes. No, we don't want to hear those excuses. These brothers had four months off. They had four months mm-hmm. off. And then you heard Paul George say, well, we basically, this, this wasn't a championship or bust season. What the hell with that, Paul George? That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out, Paul George. We don't hey. want to hear this, wasn't, this, was champ, this was championship or bust. With the roster that you put together, this is a championship or bust. This is the NBA. The NBA, when you sign free agents to your team, you have championship expectations your first season together. That was a cop-out excuse from Paul George in that press conference yesterday, Clarence. I don't know what the hell what he was talking about. Like, come on now. Ain't no damn it's excuse. Funny. It was, it's funny because yeah, AD, AD and LeBron, they in their first year playing together, too, and they're on the way to a final. So that's right. a lot of double standards right there. <laughs> yeah, well, let's move on, and let's go to the Eastern Conference, Clarence. Enough about those Clipper clowns. Let's go to the NBA Playoff recap. Let's go to the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics in overtime, 117 to 114 at game one of their Eastern Conference Finals battle. Miami leads the series 1-0. Gordon Dragic led the way for the Miami Heat with 29 points, shot 11 of 19 from the field, 7 rebounds. Jimmy Butler contributed 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Jay Crowder also had 22 points, went 5 of 9 from 3-point range, 5 rebounds. Jason Tatum led the way for the Celtics with 30 points. Marcus Smart had 26 points, and Kemba Walker had 19.6 assists. So as we begin this segment in the Eastern Conference, Clarence, what is your biggest takeaway from game one between the Celtics and the Heat? Well, I think the biggest takeaway uh, from this from this game is they took away Duncan Robinson's shooting ability, you know, because he didn't necessarily shot the ball good, and they had to basically find another rotating player that can shoot the ball. Like, believe it or not, Jay Crowder has been a great addition to this Miami team because with his, with his versatile defender and three-point shooting, it really benefited the team a lot. And for Jimmy Butler, it benefited him as well, too, because he lead by example, and he's basically setting up other players to score. Or if he has a shot, he's taking a shot. They, they just play a wonderful team ball. And on the other end for the Boston Celtics is – when is Kemba Walker? It's gonna stop. When he's gonna get out these shooting slums? Like he he shot out. He, he, he's played okay through this whole playoff, the NBA playoffs, in my opinion. He played he played okay in this three because in be games he he caught fire, Another game he's struggling bad. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, you can't be struggling bad shooting up, jacking up shots. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. This is your first ever Eastern Conference Eastern uh, Conference Finals. So. For you to uh have that type of format, it can't it can't happen again. For Marcus Smart, I was very I set to his six to thirteen shooting for the three because you know it benefit him out too. I feel like Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker they balance out that team a lot on the offensive side and defensive side because they have a lot of a lot of scores on their team to spread around. And for Jason Tatum, he's just been phenomenal. He's been the leader. He had almost had a triple double. He could have snuck his way to another triple double. 30 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists. That's a brilliant stat line right there. But big bam out of the bio. He came with a clutch dunk. And I thought that dunk right there was impressive. Now, Miami, they got, they in, they in the driver's seat right now with the lead, leading the series 1 0. Can the Boston Celtics <laughs> get out that, get out them shooting slums and get back into this series? Because, you know, when a team go down 2 0 in the uh, West Eastern in the, uh, Conference Finals, it, the odds is against you. And believe it or not, Toronto had was down 2-0 with Kawhi Leonard last year against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they fought all the way back in. Now, I really want to see, can it brush itself to fight back into this series and take over? Yeah, I, yeah, we're going to see what happens, but my biggest takeaway was, once again, the Miami Heat, they showed their balanced scoring attack. In this matchup, in this matchup, I think Gordon Dragic he had, what, 29 points? Jimmy Butler had 20 points. You know, Bam out of Bayou contributed 18 points. Jay Crowder had 18 points. So, overall, I'm sorry, Jay Crowder had 22 points. Let me not sell my man. short. Jake Crowder had 22. Bam out of Bayou had 18. And Ducky Robinson, he only had six points, went two of seven from three-point range. But, overall, the Miami Heat, their balanced scoring attack is what propelled them to this game-one victory over the Boston Celtics. I thought late in the game, Jimmy Butler, he made a few more plays than Jason Tatum. Although Jason Tatum... He also had a good game as well. He had 30 points. So he also had a good game. But I thought Jimmy Butler had made a few more plays late in that game. And I thought Miami executed down the stretch better than the Boston Celtics. And I told you this yesterday on our live. I said, when it comes to a big moment in this series, although I love Jason Tatum and I believe he's on the come up and I think he's a future superstar in the NBA, I trust an NBA all-time great player, like Jimmy Butler more so right now because Jimmy Butler, in those key moments yesterday, he made key plays for the Miami Heat. And I thought once the game got to overtime, I just knew the Miami Heat were going to pull it out because they are a mentally strong basketball team, Clarence. Like they don't go away. They kind of look, they're the Eastern Conference version of the Denver Nuggets. Similar to like how Denver play, the Miami Heat are the same way. They don't go away. Whenever they're down on the scoreboard, you can never count them out. That speaks to the championship DNA of this team. They are led by Eric Spolster. He is a coach who has won championships with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. So he knows what it takes to win in the NBA playoffs. And I think when his team gets down in these playoff games, I think Eric Spolster does a great job with still remaining patient and running his offense to an efficient rate so they can get into their sets. They can hit quality shots and still hit the perimeter shots to keep them afloat and keep them close. So, therefore, when it gets close in the end, Jimmy Butler can take over for the team. So, I thought the game was won late, you know, in in, in the regulation and in overtime by the Miami Heat. But also, I want to give Bam a lot of credit for that game-saving block on Jason Tatum because I thought Jason Tatum was going to tie the game up on that breakaway lane that it opened up for him. And he got blocked at the rim by Bam. I think it was one of the best blocks we've seen – in NBA playoff history, although LeBron's block over Iggy had more of an impact because of where they were in the game. That was late in the fourth quarter. That was late in overtime. But that was this is game one. That was game seven. So everybody's been talking about, oh my God, this block was better than LeBron's block over Iggy. I disagree because if LeBron doesn't block Iggy's shot in that game seven of the 2016 NBA Finals, it's a legitimate chance the Warriors win that game. So I, I think that that block was great, but it wasn't as... Significant as a bronze block in the 2016 right. NBA Finals. Yeah, I, I think that block right there is the second greatest block I ever seen in NBA history, behind LeBron James. Because believing that his hand was inside the rim and he just pulled it out, and it's like, wow, that that's a lot of that's a lot of upper body. shirt sure right there, try Honestly, if I'm getting dunked on and that and that ball is like literally inches away from the rim, I'm just like, hey man, this is a free dunk. But at clutch time, you're gonna do whatever it takes to stop the defender. But I think oh I I was gonna say Tyler Hero, I want to shout him out as well. He had twelve points. He shot two of five from three-point range with five of ten shooting overall from four. He had some big time shots late too. Tyler Hero stepped up. And I think Tyler Hero and Ducky Robinson, they are X factors in this series. If Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson shoot the lights out, the Miami Heat will advance to the NBA finals. But like I said, Duncan Robinson, he only had six points yesterday. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but I think Tyler Hero, you know, him hitting those big shots ultimately helped the Miami Heat get the victory as well. And believe it or not, though, Duncan Robinson is their best shooter, though, but if he has an off game, you can look somewhere else. You can look somewhere else to who can shoot the ball. Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, um, even Bam out of bio if he if, he look, at, if, it, if it look good, but me personally, I wanted to shout out Gordon Djordjevic, bro, because he's been phenomenal this whole playoffs, bro. Like nobody don't have no answer for him. He's dropping averaging about 20 20 to 25 points a game and he's just been dominant for this for this uh for this Heat team. He's been one of the vocal leaders on this team with Jimmy Butler because in these situations you have to have a a, a leader, a vocal leader to lead the way. And they him and him and Jimmy Butler is doing a phenomenal job, and he was 11 for 19, so he, he's a very efficient scorer with seven assists right there. I think the uh, Boston Celtics they need to find an answer for Goran Dragic because sometimes all the attention is not always on Jimmy Butler or no Bam Adebayo. Goran Dragic is taking off. He is he is literally like doing doing great into this playoff. Yeah, and I think in order for the Boston Celtics to win this series, they need Kemba Walker to outplay. Gordon Dragic, and Gordon yeah. Dragic in the first game, he got the best of Kemba Walker. Dragic had 29 points. Kemba Walker only had 19 points. Dragic shot 11 of 19 from the floor, three of six from three-point range. Kemba Walker, on the other hand, he shot six of 19 from the floor and had, went one of nine from three-point range. So I think in order for the Boston Celtics to win this series, they need Kemba Walker to outplay Gordon Dragic. That's a key matchup that I'm looking at the rest of this series, Clarence, because yeah. whatever one of these point guards outplays the other, I think that particular point guard's team is going to win. So last night you saw Dragic outplay Kemba Walker, and we saw Miami got the win. So I think that's a key matchup in this series as well. But I think it's time for the Boston Celtics to see if Gordon Hayward is going to be available for game two or any other games coming up in this series because I think they need Gordon Hayward's 18 points per game on 50% shooting from the floor. You know, I think they need him as another scoring option in these Easter Conference playoffs. I think he'll definitely add, you know, to this team, and he's going to add some scoring that they need. Marcus Smart is doing a hell of a job as well, too, though, because Marcus Smart had 26 points, and he shot 6 of 13 from three-point range. I can't say enough about the job that Marcus Smart has done being that perimeter shooter that the Boston Celtics have needed because last night, Jason Tatum only went 4 of 12 from three-point range. Jalen Brown, he went, what, three or four of three-point range? He did a great job shooting the three last night. But overall, Marcus Smart has stepped up in the absence of Gordon Hayward. But I think and Gordon Hayward would definitely help the Boston Celtics and add more scoring to this team. And it's going to help them possibly win games in this series. So let's, let's make this quick. Any adjustments that the Boston Celtics need to make for game two? Um, I think they need to try to do a better job of – you know, defending Gordon Dragic Again, he had 29 points, shot 11 of 19 from the field. They need to do a better job of trying to defend Gordon Dragic and limit his scoring because when he gets it going, I think that leads to the other Miami Heat players getting in a rhythm. And that's why you see the balance scoring. You see Drake Crowder dropping 22 points. You see Bam dropping 18 points. You see Jimmy Butler with 20 points. Although I think Jimmy Butler is the best player on this team, make no mistake about it. Gordon Dragic. Leads these players, and he puts everyone in position to be successful. He is a true point guard, but when he's scoring the ball as well, along with getting others involved, I think it makes the Miami Heat unbeatable. So I think the Boston Celtics do a better job of containing Gordon Dragic in order to have a chance to win this series. Yeah, I, I think, I think the biggest adjustment that the Boston Celtics they should make is tighten up the defense because believe it or not, they're the number one ranked defense. Number one ranked defense into this playoffs, and Marcus Smart has helped balance out that defense because him stealing the ball, being intercepted, and just being there when needed, he's been he's been phenomenal, and he's been great for this team. And they need to balance out the defensive defensive side so that they can slow down the score of oh, from Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo. I think they need to strengthen the defense more. Yeah, and I think Boston, you're right. Their defense has to get better because they gave up 48 points in the paint and they only got 26 points themselves. I think in order for the Boston Celtics to have any chance at winning this series, they can't have the Miami Heat dominating the paint 48 to 26. That's a plus 22 in points in the paint advantage to the Miami Heat. That cannot happen if the Boston Celtics won't have any chance. I think Brad Stevens will make the adjustments. I told you, I think this is a great coaching matchup, although I do give the slight edge to Eric Spoelstra. I think this is a nice coaching matchup between Brad Stevens and their exposure. I expect Brad Stevens to make the necessary adjustments for the Boston Celtics to have a chance to win in game two and even up this series because if they go down 2-0 to the Miami Heat. They in trouble, Clarence. So who wins game two tomorrow, Trey? I told you I got the Boston Celtics getting to the NBA finals and I'm going to keep stay with that pick. I think in order for them to have a chance to win this series, they must win game two. I thought game one was a game the Boston Celtics could have won, but I thought down the stretch, in the fourth quarter and in the overtime, I think the Miami Heat, they off- executed better offensively. So I think in order for the, the Boston Celtics to win this series, they have to win game two. They can't go down 0-2 to the Miami Heat. If they go down 0-2 to the Miami Heat, I don't see them winning four out of the next five games. Not over this Miami Heat team. So I think they have to win game two tomorrow night. It is a must win for Boston. And I think they're going to get it done You know, in game two and have this series evened up at one game apiece as we head into game three, which will be Saturday night. I just think that this Miami team, man, they just, they just like everything that you want. You got the perfect coach. You got the, you got the great superstar in Jimmy Butler. And you have a lot of three point shooters and versatile defenders on that team and a young big man and bam out of bio and a solid bench play. And I think that factors in their victory into game one because they had everything loaded Everything loaded on their end. Like, they have bench play, coaching, and players that can swap in and out and that can come in and play a long period of time. I think right there, that right there is the chemistry for the – the working chemistry for them as to win another one. But I'm – me, I'm taking the Heat. I think the Heat go in win tomorrow for the simple fact that they – they shoot the three ball phenomenal and they can defend real well and they're they, a they good transition team. They like to run in transition, get a lot of shots off, and, like, to hurry up back on defense. So I'm taking the Miami Heat in this one, man. Even though I still got – even though I still got Boston winning this series, but in order – in order for the Boston to wake up, I think they got to go down two to uh, realize, like, damn, this Heat team is nothing to play with. But I got the but yeah. well, see, I disagree. I think if they go down 2-0, the series could be over. You know, and you said a three-point shot is critical – in game one, the Miami Heat made 16 three-point shots. The Boston Celtics made 15. So there wasn't no huge difference in three-point shots made, although the Boston Celtics did attempt six more three-point shots than the Miami Heat overall. But in this game, the Boston Celtics at one point led by 14 points. I told you, yeah. the Miami Heat, they are the Denver Nuggets in the Eastern Conference. They are a resilient bunch. Like, wherever you got them down, for whatever reason, they elevate their game and they execute better offensively. It is a true testament to how great of a coach Eric Spolster is because when they're down, they don't panic. They remain calm, and they run through their offensive sets, and they get quality shots, and it gets them back in ball games. And that's exactly what happened yesterday in game one. Boston Southern leading by 14. At one point, you would think the game would be over, not going up against this Miami Heat squad. But yeah. we'll talk about that more on Friday night. So let's transition to some NFL. And let's talk about this Thursday night football primetime matchup, the Battle of Ohio, as the Cincinnati Bengals will travel up north to the Cleveland Browns, and they're going to take on the Browns Thursday night at 820. It's going to be on NFL Network, and if you're here in Cincinnati, it's going to be on Channel 12. So, Clarence, Battle of Ohio, Browns versus the Bengals, you know, in Cleveland's house this time. Give me some of your keys in this matchup. I think the keys for the matchup for the Bengals, like I've been watching them since week one. I watched them week one last week. I think they have to they gotta stop Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think them that is the most important thing they need to do because they're a good running football team and they can get outside very quick and they very versatile on, on catching the passes too. I think that front seven needed enough pressure, enough to pressure Baker Mayfield to make him struggle into the game because believe it or not. Him and Odell, I just think their chemistry is not – they don't work together. I'm, I'm I'm saying it right here, right here, right now. I think Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, chemistry is way off. Because if you look at the stat sheet, Jarvis Landry caught all his targets. Alex Hooper caught all his targets. Um, Higgins caught all his targets. Rashad Higgins and Odell, he only caught three out of ten. Three out of ten passes. I think that that chemistry right there is junked up because he be so excited because he wanted to throw it to Odell, but it doesn't work. But my key for the Cleveland Brown Baker Mayfield has to get it going. He has to get it going for this Browns team. They literally the best. They they one of the best talented teams in the NFL. They have a nice talent on their offensive side, but Baker Mayfield has to get it get involved with the game. This is a battle, Ohio. This game is a personal game for both teams because they're both 0-1 and they're trying to steal a victory on Thursday night. But Baker Mayfield has to get, get involved in the game. What's your key? Okay. Message? I got two keys for each team, you know, getting into this Thursday night match. I'm going to start off with the Cleveland Browns. In week one against the Baltimore Ravens, Baker Mayfield, he went 21-39, 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Kevin Stefanski, let me let, let you know right now. You are not going to keep your job, sir, as head coach of the Cleveland Browns if you got Baker Mayfield dropping back to pass 39 times. I told you, Clarence, before the season, in order for the Browns to have any chance of winning football games this year, you can't have Baker Mayfield drop back the pass 35 plus a game. It can't happen. Like, I think Baker Mayfield should drop back the pass maybe 20 or 25 times at the most. This team, in order for this team to be successful, they need to lean on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. That's what have to lead them to victory. It can't be Baker Mayfield. Okay, Kevin Stefanski, your job is to put Baker in possession positions to be successful. You can't have him dropping back to pass thirty-nine times. He is not Aaron Rodgers. He is not Russell Wilson. He is not Patrick Mahomes. You cannot put the game in Baker Mayfield's hands. Okay, so that's one of my that's one of my keys. I think they have to limit how many times they have Baker Mayfield drop back to pass. I think they need to lean on the running game. My other key for the, the Cleveland Browns is going to be get Odell Beckham the football. Like, what the hell is going on with Odell Beckham right now? Odell Beckham is a top-five receiver in the NFL, and in week one, he only had three receptions for 22 receiving yards? He, yes. had 10 tar- he had ten targets, but only three receptions. What the hell is going on? How can't you get Odell Beckham, a top five receiver in the NFL, the football. Listen, Cleveland, if you don't want to get Odell Beckham involved in the offense, change to my Packers. Aaron Rodgers will take him. Uh, uh, Adams, he'll love to have him on the other side with him. Okay? Like, what is going on with the Cleveland Browns? Kevin Stefanski needs to get Odell Beckham the football somehow, some way. Those are my keys for the Cleveland Browns. Lean on a running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And get Odell Beckham the football for the Bengals. I think one of the keys is going to be Joe Burrow has to protect the football. I told you in week one and the fourth quarter, that turnover was a bad turnover clearance, and it took the Bengals out of their offensive rhythm. I think they were going, they had the rhythm at that moment. And I think that turnover when he tried to do that flea flicker, it didn't work. You can't do that in the NFL, Joe. I think Joe Burrow played pretty well in week one against the Chargers clearance, but he must protect the football for the Bengals to have any chance of winning games. My other key for the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be, can they create pressure on Baker Mayfield? If you pressure Baker Mayfield, I think you can force Baker Mayfield into turning the football over. He might even fumble the ball a couple times in the pocket. So I think that's going to be key. Can they force Baker Mayfield into turning the football over by applying pressure on him? Dunlap, you know, Geno Atkins, if he plays, they need to apply pressure up front on Baker Mayfield Therefore, they can get the ball back for Joe Burrow and have more opportunities to put up points. Now, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking to myself now, who, like, who is the, like, for Burrow, I think for Zach Taylor, in this situation, he has to let Burrow throw the ball. And you you have to let him play, you have to let him get his feet wet. I think uh, that's the point I forgot to mention. You, you have to let him get, get his feet wet, Trey in order for him to get the feeling of the NFL game. The NFL game is going to be there. I think, honestly, I'm going to be real honest with you. This is a huge testament season for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're playing with house money. They're playing with nothing to lose. I think this is a testament for the season of how You said they were going to the playoffs. You said they were going to be 9-7, which means they have expectations. According to to you, hold on, wait a minute. According to you, they're going to be 9-7, which means they have expectations. They're not playing with house money. What are you talking about? Well, I said I said nine. To, I said they could be nine and seven at best, and they can make a shot at the playoff. But if I if I'm if I'm really really realistic thinking, I think this is a big testament season for oh, them. Oh, now it's you a- realistically thinking? huh? now you so you so you weren't realistically thinking that day I when, was we thinking about, I was thinking when we predicted. When we talked about what was, you was I know it. You didn't want to admit it that day. I said you pick it with your heart here. This is not your football man. I said I that. Like, I don't like because I don't like the way how you talk about the Bengals. It, hurt, it hurts me to the fullest. But but think about it. I think this is a big testament for the Cincinnati Bengals on how all this is gonna play out, and they are gonna find their problems into this season and get and get better for the next for next season or the, or the third season. But I want to ask you this though: Who you believe? Who you have as the better? Who, which quarterback? What's which, which quarterback is the better matchup? Which quarterback has the better matchup? The better advantage between Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield? Joe Burrow, I, I I think, and and we heading into week two, I would give the co- the quarterback advantage to Joe Burrow. And again, in week one, he went twenty three of thirty six, one hundred ninety three passing yards. You know, he had one bad interception. He led the Cincinnati Bengals on their last drive, and they he put them in position to tie the game. You know, with that, it was just a bad field goal. You know, that the Bengals missed. But I think Joe Burrow put the Bengals in position to get the overtime. The field goal unit just didn't execute. He also possibly had a touchdown pass to A.J. Green that would have won a game for the Bengals had the ref not called that offensive pass interference. I think that was a bang-bang play. You know, I think if there were fans in the stands, I don't think they'd make that call on A.J. Green. Honestly, Clarence, but they made the call nevertheless. I think Joe Burrow actually impressed me with his first performance as a rookie in week one. I'm not impressed with Becker Mayfield. And I told you before, this is a put-up or shut-up year Baker Mayfield. I agree. Okay? I think if, if Baker Mayfield doesn't get it, his act together, I think it's a great chance that the Cleveland Browns will be looking for a future quarterback in the draft next season. I mean, in week one, he went 21-39, 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception. With these weapons, that is inexcusable. You're supposed to be balling for the Cleveland Browns right now. You have a nice running back core and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So why... Can't Baker Mayfield get his act together? We've had Hugh Jackson as a head coach. Then it was Freddie Kitchens. Now it's Kevin Stefanski. At some point, Clarence, there is a common denominator, and that's the reason why the Cleveland Browns aren't successful offensively. It's not always on the head coach. At some point, we have to place some of the blame on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. And the reason why I'm placing some of that blame on his shoulders is because Baker Mayfield chirped a lot. He always chirping. He always got a lot to say. He, if you remember, he always he's had public feuds with Colin Cowherd of FS1. He always got something to say to somebody in the media. Baker Mayfield, you need to shut the hell up, and you need to play football this year at a high level for the Browns, or you might be looking for another job next year or the season after that if you don't get your act and together. And the Browns and- are going to be picking in the draft trying to find them a future franchise quarterback. Well, in the, in the off season too, though Trey uh, Baker Mayfield said he's staying away from the media. Ain't gonna let his talent talk for himself. So that is something that we, we are keeping a big eye on. But I think you also have to tell Kevin Stefanski you have to learn how to cool down Baker Mayfield, slow down his tempo, his mindset. You have to be the coach to help him get through get through this season. Because, like you said, I don't believe it was none of the coaches' fault. I believe. It was Baker Mayfield. He had like an ego problem that that's that stopped him from performing on the football field. But the Kevin Stefanski, he has to he has to cool down. Uh, Baker Mayfield mindset for him to get into football in the football mode instead of worry about the critics. Now, now this right here shows if this if if if, if, if I mean, if the Cleveland Browns lose this game tomorrow, I'm guaranteeing you that. Everybody going to be questioning Baker Mayfield play and Kevin Stefanski play, call or just mindset. Now, I just think Stefanski need to work with him and to help develop him more. Don't turn him to something that he ain't. Like, he has to monitor. He needs to monitor him, monitor his, his ego and monitor his, his gameplay. Yeah, and I think, too, one thing I do want to see Joe Burrow improve on is his deep ball accuracy. He did miss A.J. Green on a potential touchdown pass, you know, in that game against the Chargers clearance on Sunday. He missed John Ross on a few throws as well deep. So I want to see Joe Burrow do a better job of accurately throwing the ball deep down the field because that's going to definitely open up things for that Bengals offense. But he's going to be comfortable in this game in Cleveland because you know he's from Ohio. So he's going to be comfortable. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to get a a home-cooked meal from some of his family members, you know, somewhere in Ohio, whether it be, you know, tonight or tomorrow yeah. before the game. So Joe Burrow's going to be pretty comfortable tomorrow in this Thursday night matchup in the Battle of Ohio between the Browns and the Bengals. So we're going to see what happens. But before we move on, who wins this game tomorrow night? Give me a score. Give me a team who wins. Okay. I'm not being biased, but I'm being biased. I have the Cincinnati Bengals winning this game in a close one. Not no blowout. Not no Seven point, I think this game right here is going to come down to the two quarterbacks of each team. Which quarterback is going lead to lead their team to victory? But I got Cincinnati give, winning this one in a, a tight one. 24-21 Cincinnati. I would like to think at some point, Baker Mayfield will get his act together. And I would like to think that at some point, Kevin Stefanski will put Baker Mayfield in positions to be successful. I think that happens in week two. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to get into a rhythm offensively. I also think that Odell Beckham will have a breakout game in Week Two against their Bengals. Clearance. I think the Cleveland Browns will beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23 to 20 tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football in the Battle of Ohio in Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm gonna pick the Browns. You have me going. Yes, I got you the Browns. Me going. I, I was I'm gonna pick the Browns to win 23 to 20. I think Odell is gonna have a breakout game. I think Odell Beckham is going to prove why he's universally recognized as a top five receiver in the NFL. And I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are also going to contribute on tomorrow's victory for the Cleveland Browns. They're going to contribute a lot tomorrow night. And I think the Bengals are going to struggle to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Oh, Lord, man. I can't believe that You had me going thinking, you're just talking so good about Cincinnati, but you picked the rival team to beat the home team. Ridiculous. I know. I mean, they both had bad losses in week one, but I thought the Bengals showed promise. I think the, the Browns had the worst loss. They got beat down by the Ravens. I mean, it, it was a beat down, but I told you this year when the Bengals play the Ravens, they're going to get beat down too. That's what Lamar Jackson and hey, the we Baltimore ain't Ravens about do. That, we ain't talking huh? about that game. We ain't, we ain't going <laughs> to get into that game right now. Baltimore is on fire right now. I don't want to think about them until week five. do Don't get don't, Now you got to in my head now. God. In my head. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about one more topic before we get out of here. This topic is titled, A Bird Not in His Nest. On Sunday, the Philadelphia Eagles blew a 17-point lead against the Washington football team and eventually lost 27-17. to Carson Wentz was sacked eight times and threw two interceptions. He went 24-42, 270 passing yards, two touchdowns, two bad interceptions. So I want to talk about Carson Wentz tonight yeah. on the show. And I brought this topic to you, Clarence. And I said, like, what the hell is going on with Carson Wentz? And you know, last year, the Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles last year, they won the division and they won the NFC East and had a playoff berth, and they lost in a wild card matchup to the Seattle Seahawks. And I told you that I think Carson Wentz is one of the best quarterbacks we have in the NFL. I said, we always talk about Patrick Mahomes. We always talk about Lamar Jackson. We always talk about You know, Deshaun Watson, when you start talking about Carson Wentz and we know Carson Wentz had an MVP caliber season during that year when he tore his ACL, he had 27 touchdowns, I think like seven interceptions. He was outstanding last year. This loss against the Washington football team was a bad loss. It was a bad loss for Carson Wentz. I don't know what the hell happened to Carson Wentz. He got sacked eight times, but for some reason in the second half, he was careless with the football clearance. He had two interceptions and he had some fumbles. In this game, like he has to take care of the football better. That was one of the issues that Carson Wentz critics had with him last year was that he didn't take care of the ball. He always fumbled with the ball in the pocket. He has to do a better job of taking care of the football and putting the Eagles in position to win football games. There is no reason in hell. You should leave a, lose a 17-point lead to the Washington football team? Are you kidding me? A team that's tanking? A team that is picked to finish last? In the NFC East, how the hell you lose a 17-point lead to the Washington football team? It shouldn't have happened, and Carson Wentz deserves majority of the blame here. I expect better results from Carson Wentz in Week 2, Clarence. I expect him to bounce back and lead the Philadelphia Eagles to a victory in Week 2. Look, now that you mentioned Week 2, the, the game is at home against the uh, Los, Los Angeles Rams, so I think for Carson Wentz, he has, to, he has to show up. He has to show up, Trey, because believe it or not, he, he already leading the league with turnovers, leading the league turnovers, and he's been sacked eight times. That's the most so far into this football season. <sighs> yeah, and last year, last year I gave him excuses because I knew they were depleted. You know, they had so many injuries on that team, that I gave him an excuse. I said, hey, it's a lot of injuries on this team. I give him credit just for having the Eagles in position to make the playoffs and compete for the NFC East crown with the Cowboys. So I was giving him a lot of credit last year, and I gave him a pass for some of those turnovers. There are no excuses this year, Mr. Carson Wentz. I expect Carson Wentz to bounce back in week two against the Rams, clearance. I expect him to show why he should be in that conversation to being one of the best young quarterbacks we have in the NFL, along with Deshaun Watson, along with Lamar Jackson, along with Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk more about Carson Wentz on Friday's show for sure because we're going to give our week two predictions, and we're going to talk about game two between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Everybody, remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at TheseGuysKnowsports. This is Wise Guys live on the World Wide Sports Network. Clarence, you got any closing thoughts? Who they? Let's get this W tomorrow, baby. Browns, 23-20. Oh, my God. What's your score? What's your score? score? I got got the Bengals, 24-21. Close game. We'll see y'all Friday night. Enjoy Thursday night football in a battle of Ohio between the Browns and the Bengals. Everybody have a good night. It is the World Wide Sports Radio Network.